Hi, this is Taylor Stuber. And this is Sean Smithgall. We are both clinical pharmacists and faculty members at Auburn University, Harrison School of Pharmacy, and we are your hosts for the Postgraduate Pharmacist. On the Postgraduate Pharmacist, we focus on preparing and obtaining postgraduate training positions. From current events to expert advice, you'll have up-to-date content related to postgraduate training. New episodes are released every other Monday, so don't forget to like or subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at PG Pharmacist or LinkedIn at the Postgraduate Pharmacist for additional discussions or insights into our topics. So we've had several episodes this summer on interviews and showcases, and today we build on that theme. I want to have a discussion today on questions you, as the candidate, should be asking during showcases and interviews. To help us navigate around this discussion, we have with us Auburn's very own Bobby Helmer, who is also a clinical faculty member practicing primarily as an internal medicine specialist. Bobby, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks so much. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to come and talk about this topic. I think it's a great topic uh, that's going to be really pertinent to uh, a lot of listeners out there. Hope you don't mind I use my uh, NPR voice when I do this. (laughs) Don't mind at all. So, Bobby, in what capacities do you interact with postgraduate candidates? Sure. So, as as Sean mentioned, uh, I'm on faculty here at Auburn. So, I've uh, mentored numerous uh, students as they move through the postgraduate training process, sort of coach them through the the interview prep, presentation prep, CV development and critique, all of those sorts of things. I've also served as research mentors to a number of students, sort of getting them ready and prepared for that aspect of residency training. Outside of, of my faculty roles, I'm a PGY1 preceptor, have done that for, for many years now, also on the residency advisory committee. So I've been involved in reviewing a lot of these uh, applications and looking at CVs and letters of intent and participating in the interviews. So it really spreads the gamut from getting students prepared for the process to actually interacting in the process itself. Well, great. I think that's great to have somebody with that current involvement and those experiences on the show today. So like Sean said, we've focused on preparing for these showcases and interviews and how to prepare for questions, particularly situational questioning. Equally important and possibly overlooked is the importance of questions that are asked by the candidate. I strongly agree. I believe the questions that come from candidates show a lot about the preparation and prospective thinking of the candidate. As a, as a preceptor myself, and now an RPD to postgraduate trainees, I personally put a lot of weight into candidates' questions when they interview or interact with me in these environments. Yeah, and I really like the two terms that you use there, prospective and, and preparation. When I think about what questions students should be asking, you know, there's a lot of things online that you can find that just list questions, but I, I think the questions need to be meaningful to students and they really need to be students out there need to be thinking about what are the questions that are ultimately going to help you make the decision about whether to apply to a particular program or whether to rank a particular program. And so it's, it's sort of finding that balance between information that's readily available out there online on, on the Internet or and programs for the or details for the specific programs and the questions that are ultimately going to drive you to one program or not. I like that. So I want to start with some anecdotes What's the worst or most awkward question or experience you've encountered in one of these situations like showcase or interview? I can start with that. So I think back to about maybe five, four or five years ago. So I serve as a preceptor for our PGY1s and PGY2s at Huntsville Hospital. And 
I think at one of the showcases, it's not a particular question that stands out, but it's more of the experience, like you mentioned, is those lists that Bobby was talking about that they have just those canned questions is when applicants would just stand there and just read off a list of questions. And I could tell that there was no thought into them. And so it was very kind of uncomfortable because you didn't really, you weren't really having a connection or a conversation. It was just very like they had to do it by that book. So I think that's probably one of the more uncomfortable experiences that I've encountered at least. Yeah. And for me, uh, so I live in Mobile, Alabama, so we're down on the Gulf Coast. And one of our, our private hospitals here in town that I was involved with their residency program with, uh, the hospital's name was Mobile Infirmary. And I was interacting with a candidate at one point, and a uh, candidate looks, in, and I, I can't remember the exact phrasing that the candidate used, but essentially said something like, you know, how do y'all get around, or, or how much do you travel? And we, we sort of looked at him, this candidate, like, well, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, the hospital's mobile infirmary, like mobile, like it, it, it moves around. Uh, and so uh, it, it was pretty silly at the time. I mean, we didn't really know how to react, but I, I think the, the, the point I'm making by including this is, and the theme that I talk about, I'll talk about throughout is do your homework. You know, when you're, when you're at, at any stage of the game, whether you're interacting with a program at the residency showcase, or certainly by the time you interview, you know you have to know some stuff about the program. And I think it goes to what, what what Taylor just mentioned about having that discussion, and that starts with having preparation and knowing what you're talking about for the specific program and who you're talking to. Well, mine definitely doesn't top that. Mine was <laughs> mine was on an interview too, and I was proctoring the patient case workup portion of the interview. That's what the residents did. So like during it was either during the beginning or the after they were done, they asked me and they asked me rather arrogantly why we didn't offer medication use evaluations or MUEs as a core rotation. And I remember I answered along the lines of like, well, some of our programs or some programs may try to fill gaps or when they're like when they're posting their program, they might not have very many like unique core rotations. So they try to fill that void by listing like your research project, MUE, and things like that as core rotations. Whereas, you know, where I did my residency, ours was just all lumped together in this patient safety thing we did. So we didn't like list them separately on our on our thing because we had cardiology, infectious disease, nephrology, and all those things. And I told the candidate, we have these other unique core rotations that allow you to open up and do these different electives without having to sacrifice some of those uh, elective spaces that are, are infrequent for some of these other things. Now, retrospectively, I don't think it was a bad question or had bad intent to the question. I just feel like it wasn't asked in the right manner or asked appropriately. Well, I'm going to definitely vote for Bobby's as the most unique <laughs> yes. or definitely interesting. The Unfortunately so. <laughs> <clears throat> okay, okay. So this time, anecdotes or, per or personal opinion. What is your favorite question? Kind of opposite to what we were just talking about. What's your favorite question to ask that you feel fits almost any scenario? So questions like you may mentor students to ask or you've asked yourself when you were in this process. I'll start since you both answered first last time. Uh, my favorite question has to be, what's the collegiality like with the pharmacy department? And I asked this because almost every time I was interviewing for a program or position that was geographically new to me, nowhere near where I had currently lived or, or practiced, 
So having a team, and I remember that's one thing I asked you, Bobby, when I came down here and interviewed in Mobile, like that was really important to me. Are these people going to be potential work friends or people we can hang out with outside of work? Or do they just generally get along at work? That was very important to me because I believe like job satisfaction, just from all the way back to when I was a bagger at Kroger's, the people you work with make the job. So having a good relationship or just enjoying working with those people was huge for for like my future job satisfaction. Yeah. And mine was kind of similar to that. I've asked this in, in several different ways throughout interviewing over the years, but something to the extent of what's your favorite part of the job or what aspect of the job do you most look forward to sort of on a day-to-day basis? And I think it's not only how they answer or what they say when they answer it, but also how they answer that. Is it enthusiastic or is it just sort of this rote sort of regurgitation of, oh, well, I like, you know, doing consults on X, Y, and Z. You know, I think it, it, if they answer about working with others or like the opportunity to work with co-residents, I think that's a very positive thing for, for that program. And I think sort of, Sean, to your point about showing that collegiality that that can um, make or break an experience. And I, I would say mine is also very similar to both of y'all's. So I like to ask about, you know, what does the system or the individuals that work within the in the system do to support the resident or the candidate or anything like that? So is there mentorship involved? What does that entail? And you can get a lot by just asking and seeing, like Bobby said, how they respond to that. So I think all of these questions just in general aren't things that you would find directly on the program's website, which is why I like to ask these more personalized types of questions. And I think all of these kind of get to that point because you can see a lot by how the person responding to the question reacts to it on whether or not it's somewhere that you would want to be. Yeah, Taylor, I like that you mentioned like not on the web, like take advantage of the, the face-to-face interaction, ask the stuff you can't read. And don't don't even clarify the stuff that you could read, but you just were slightly unsure of unless it's like super pertinent, like take advantage of that time to really learn about like the day-to-day. Absolutely. When we were talking about those awkward experiences, it reminded me that a lot of times the questions aren't necessarily bad questions or there isn't bad intent behind the questions, but the way that they are phrased or worded lends to them being awkward in conversation. So most of the questions you'll be asking are going to be program specific. So it's difficult to say, for example, these are the three to four questions you will always need to ask. You may have a few questions that fit general programs, like the ones we mentioned above, but most will come from your program evaluation. So what are some of the methods for question phrasing or wording that can help candidates prepare just good quality questions? Yeah, so so mine actually kind of stems off of something that, that Sean just mentioned about, you know, using what's available online and like, you know, how do you go about clarifying things that you still have? And I guess my, my suggestion would be to use something that you know about a program and then get them to elaborate. So, you know, one of the examples that I, I thought of is, you know, you might say something like, you know, oh, I, I saw... I saw online that you offer a teaching and learning certificate, for example. You know, what what are some of the roles or activities that are involved in that? Or can you tell me a little bit about the time commitment that you experience as a result of participating? Because things like that, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things within programs that almost are becoming standard across the board. Like most programs have a teaching and learning certificate opportunity. Most programs have a staffing requirement. So asking those those sort of rote questions are, are usually just available. So I think asking it in a way where you get a little bit more information and maybe 
the way that you get them to expand on it can help answer your question. If you're, you know, trying to determine if it if there's a significant time burden associated with that the teaching and learning program and that is problematic for you based off whatever your situation is, then that might weigh your decision to apply or interview or maybe not interview but rank or even participate in that in that teaching and learning program if you match there. I liked how you mentioned kind of leading into the question with what you know. Because like sometimes even if you ask a question that you want to ask, say it's about staffing, the, the person you're asking to might just do like their spiel on staff. Well, you staffed every second math and, and they don't end up answering the question you want. So it one, it kind of directs them to exactly what you want to know. And it also kind of shows that I have done my background research. Exactly. I, I'm, I have read this, I've digested it, but here's like my follow-up question to that. So I really like that. So I'll had here kind of back on that story I was telling earlier, how I think that question should have been phrased where they said, you know, why don't you offer MUE? Every other program offers MUE. I think the question should have said, I read about MUE, but I wasn't sure how it fit in your overall rotation as a resident or how much time, you know, how, how is MUE structured during this program? Are you assigned a specific mentor? Do you get to select your project? Like what is, what are some of the details related to the MUE? I think that would have gotten a better response. And even if they still were concerned about that, you know, they don't offer it, whatnot, by getting the answer to that question, the candidate then can make that own, you know, decision-making process, or just they can reflect on that and, and understand, okay, that was a poorer answer or a better answer than what I received at the other program that listed as a core. So it just kind of, it gives you the same outcome without you coming across as, you know, arrogant in everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there was one other thing I was going to add here, just maybe this, it doesn't apply exactly to what makes a question good or bad, but something that I always think about when asking questions is knowing your audience. And certainly there's questions that you'll come across that are better to be answered by certain people within a program. And you need to tailor tailor things that way. So whether it be uh, the residents themselves, the preceptors versus the RPD. So it's always helpful to have uh, a good level of awareness for who you're talking to and who would be the best person to answer a specific question. And that kind of lends to leading, doing a little research on who's going to be at these things, if you can. You know, right. Looking at your interview schedule and just kind of trying to look up these individuals. Are they a specialist? Are they one of the rotation people? So you can tailor those questions. It's like we don't even need a clever segue for PGP trivia today since the topic's literally about asking questions. So I'm going to start off with my question. It's, it's fun to have a guest back after a few episodes. <laughs> just Taylor and I. I am so excited. And, uh, and me missing them. So now I can listen to someone else try to try to struggle to answer a question for once besides just Taylor. So you're both Star Wars fans. I already know that because I know you all pretty well. And I'm going to assume you know what that May the 4th probably holds a special place in your heart and, and what that means for Star Wars fans. It does. <laughs> so that date is important for my question. So, Bobby, as I understand, you're a bourbon connoisseur. And Taylor, you also have a high appreciation for fine bourbon. So I'm hopeful you'll both be able to answer this question. So why is May the 4th special, specifically May the 4th, 1963, special for bourbon or important for bourbon? 1963. 1963. We yep. don't get any multiple choice. Prohibition. Doesn't sound like that's the way you're going. Nope. No multiple choice question. I didn't put multiple choice because I thought I honestly thought this would be 
pretty softball. Like I have a more softball question related to bourbon, but I decided not to ask. I was going to ask what the five rules for making bourbon were, but I thought you would just like list them off too easy for that. I don't know. Is this illegal? Can you give me a hint? Is it a legal thing in the sixties? It's not a legal thing as much as it is a recognition. I'll give you that. Is this a proclamation that bourbon be the national spirit of the United States? I won't. I, I want to hear what Taylor thinks first. <laughs> well, I, that that is way better than anything I could come up with. So I'm gonna have to go agree with Bobby. I knew you were gonna do that. I'll give that to you. It's the it's the year and the date that bourbon became America's only official native spirit. That is love. that's that's great. So how did you have how did you arrive at that answer? Well, yeah, I, I didn't really know where you could. I mean, I didn't know if this was an opening of a new distillery or like <laughs> you know the millionth billionth barrel of jack daniels i don't know uh that's why i asked about legal because there's things that have gone through the ages about classification so then when you sort of said that i figured that most of those laws would probably have been done by the 60s so yeah the only thing that stands out about may 4th is that that was almost my anniversary date and then my father promptly said when we were going to decide on the venue to my wife he said may the fourth be with you to her (laughs) and she kind of freaked out and realized that that was a star wars connotation so then we uh booked it for two weeks later so now y'all have two reasons to celebrate may the 4th now my new favorite day (laughs) (laughs) well my question was also developed with bobby in mind bobby i think you can just see that we're very excited to have a guest back so i know bobby is kind of a food connoisseur as well um and so you're probably very familiar with the michelin guide and michelin star restaurants Probably. Yes. Yes. I'm sure you've probably visited many of them. Um, Not many, (laughs) but a few, maybe a few. A few. Yes, a few. But okay. so my question is related to that. So um, the Michelin Guide is, you know, a series of guidebooks that are published by the French tire company Michelin. They've been published for more than a century and kind of award restaurants based on their excellence. So the guidebook that they published, what color is it? It's always the same color. You would ask like the one thing I don't know about the book. I thought you were going to ask how many stars you could get. I thought you were going to ask how they review restaurants. I could answer all that stuff. <laughs> the color of the book. If you yeah. if you know it pretty good, I, I, I can I don't, try a guess first. No, it, it would be a guess. I mean, I'm just, I, I've never held a physical Michelin guide. Uh, everything is now online. So it's all uh, I have a guess for what I think it is. Um, I think it's red. I think it's a red book, like a little red book. So my guess was blue. So it is red. Wow. Sean, I'm yes. job, Sean. That is I am, rare. That is rare. <laughs> that's like the first question you've gotten right in about 10 episodes. So well, I was just a little, little surprised. Well, have you seen that, that movie with um that chef movie? Not the, not the movie chef, but the movie where he plays the chef and he's like shucking oysters at the beginning and he's as penance for his chef. It's the same guy who played um, Rocket in uh in the marvel movies burnt is it called burnt burnt yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah, and burnt's all about like the michelin so Mm -hmm. i think i was watching that movie and i googled what a michelin book actually looked like and so like the image but i couldn't i I was like is it my picturing the saget's guide (laughs) which i think is also red yeah (laughs) yeah kudos to you guys be cool to have one but hey one one for two is pretty good for our show given our track record yeah we're at about a you know we're betting about 250 if that <laughs> that means they're good trivia questions yeah 
kudos to you guys. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So how about we go ahead and shift to timing of questions and where certain types of questions fit better, be that the sh a showcase or interview or even post interview. I think that's a good idea. I notice a lot of anxiety around certain questions with candidates unsure of if it's even appropriate to ask them. And within our elective, we see a lot of anticipation around staffing. So when, if at all, is it appropriate to ask about staffing? I think staffing is the question you might ask the resident when you're touring the hospital or you're like at lunch with one of the residents. I don't think you should really waste your time asking about staffing. Because unless it's a specific specialty program, like an AMCARE PGY-1, where you might not have a staffing component, or a fellowship where there may not be a staffing component, but although some community fellowships do have like a community pharmacy staffing component to it, I think you're just going to assume there's staffing, and, uh, and it should be posted online. And if it's not, I would ask the resident during like walking rounds, like how often do you have to staff? What's it like when you staff? Who do you staff with? What's it like working with the other pharmacists? And, and try to maybe spin the question like that, but don't ask the general, how often do we have to staff? Is it really that bad? Yeah, exactly. And, and it should be readily available. It, it's, as you mentioned, it's standard for pretty much every program that they're going to have some sort of requirement for that. I also agree. I wouldn't waste time with it at the showcase. I mean, just assume they're staffing. Uh, if it's going to make or break a program that you staff every second, every other weekend versus every third, if that is truly one of the most important pieces, then ask it. But truly ask yourself, would you rather have that program where you go, where you have to staff every other weekend versus not have a residency? Uh, I think you have to be honest with yourself with that answer. Um, and, and I also think it's about how you how you phrase it. Right. So I saw that you have staffing. You know, how do you feel like was it appropriate amount of time? How do you feel like it prepared you? Just something to get to get the resident to reflect, as we've already been mentioning, on mm -hmm. their experience as opposed to just laying down. Yeah, you work every other weekend, you work a day a week, whatever, whatever the requirements may be. Yeah. And I would just reiterate, you know, based on what you were talking about earlier, Sean, with that MUE question that you've gotten before and how to rephrase it. So I think it just it all depends on how, like what you're asking and the intent behind the question. If it's just to see, oh, how many weekends am I going to have to work, then that's probably not a good intent behind the question. But if you truly want to know, like, are we going to get some unique experiences during the weekends? Because a lot of times maybe the resident responds to codes on the weekend and they would have a lot of more autonomy on the weekend responding to codes. And so that could be a, you know, a potential thing to ask about. So just be sure, you know, if you're asking about staffing and you and you really truly want to know about you know, what it entails and um, what the responsibilities are. I think that could be something that would potentially stand out in a better program. So just make sure you're asking it appropriately. How about time off or leave? So I think this is, again, an example of just doing your homework. You should know a little bit about this uh, in advance. So I think rephrasing this one, instead of asking how much time do you get off or do you get holidays off, you know, I think a rephrasing is maybe how easy is it to request specific days? You know, is there a process that you have to go through or are you pretty much allowed to take the days that you request? Those are the kinds of, of questions that I think aren't wouldn't be readily available online that a resident or RPD might have some good insight on. Yeah, and I, I agree. I don't think it's a these are bad questions to ask because, you know, you have a life outside of, you know, being a pharmacist mm -hmm. as well. So I think, you know, if you have dates that you need to be off for, you need to know how to, how you're going to be able to ask off for them or if you're going to be granted them. Um, like if you're getting married or if you're having a baby, those types of things. So I think that that's still something that you can ask about, but 
like Bobby said, just about how you phrase it. That phrase just kind of triggered work-life balance. And like another kind of way you might ask around this type of question is asking like, how does the program support resident work-life balance? Obviously, it's going to be a little stressful because you're a resident. And that, I wouldn't just say, what's work-life balance like? Because it might show you, you you don't have an idea about the the additional rigors of residency or fellowship. But but asking, like, how do they help with that? And this could be maybe a spinoff of that question. Okay, like I like the way you phrased it, Bobby, on you know how easy is it? What What's the process for it? I, I was engaged. I knew I was going to get married during my residency. So I was like, one of my stipulations was, am I going to be able to get off to go marry my wife in Tennessee, which was like nine hours away. And then I was, and then it was like, can I also get off for the honeymoon afterwards, knowing that it may not be a sure thing, but my, my program director was like, sure, we can make that work. Yeah. I mean, clearly these programs are going to provide days off. It's about how flexible are they going to be? And I think Mm -hmm. that's a valid question. You know, how flexible is it to take time that you're being provided or being allowed to take off? Mm -hmm. All right. Do you guys mind if I, Maybe step in, throw one out there. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. All right. So uh, what do you guys think about asking uh, about like the, the flexibility of the rotation schedule as your interests change throughout the residency program? I think that's a really good one. I, I can see some anticipation asking that, maybe exposing yourself as someone who's like unsure. Like you don't want to come across as like, I don't really know what I want to do and I might change my mind frequently. Uh, but but really wanting to know about the flexibility of the rotation. I think some flexibility and asking about it is certainly a good thing. You know, you could phrase it again. It all just comes back to how you come across and how you phrase the question. So you could say, you know, I'm somebody that has a lot of interest in a lot of different areas. So I'm trying to figure out exactly, you know, what I want to do. And I can see myself doing a rotation and falling in love with something. So is there the opportunity if, you know, if something stands out, more than another to adjust my rotation schedule or how, how would I go about requesting that change and have those changes been granted in the past? So it's just all about how you're asking it and the intent behind the question. Yeah. I I like phrasing this, like, like pick one of their core rotations they have listed, say they have cardiology listed. If I take this cardiology rotation in January and I decide I really love cardiology afterwards and I want to explore an elective in it, you know, what, what would be the possibility of adding that or modifying my existing electives? Because January, you probably would have your schedule set. Did you have anything to add, Bobby? I, I don't have anything specific. I, I think intent, uh, as Taylor mentioned, and, and I think the example you just provided, I think is really great to show that the candidate is showing that they're thinking about why the flexibility is important to them uh, and as, as a motivation for why they're asking that question, as opposed to, as you sort of uh, alluded to in the intro, like being wishy-washy and not being confident in their interests. Well, Bobby, thanks for joining us and weighing in on this discussion. It was fun having you on this episode today. Well, thank you, guys. It's been my pleasure. Been on a lot of podcasts, as you can tell. So uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. And and let me tell you something. You guys have your act together. I mean, (laughs) pros with a capital P for you guys. All right, Bobby, any take-home points or last-minute thoughts on asking questions? Uh, well, thinking in just about some of the, the summary pieces that we've gone over today, uh, I think reflecting on the issues that are most important to, to you, to the student, uh, that are going to help you make a decision on whether to apply or whether to make a rank a program. Those are the questions that you should be uh, prioritizing because the whole process is ultimately about your decision-making. Uh, 
Uh, and then secondly, do your homework in advance. Know the programs that you're talking to, tailoring questions to the right people. Uh, show in your questions that you are familiar with the program and are trying to gain important information you need to make your decisions. Those are all excellent points to leave our listeners with. Thanks, Bobby. If you want to continue to hear up-to-date topics from us and our guests, please like and subscribe. Remember, you can listen to us on all major podcast apps. And don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode in the description below.